challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Hey, before I dive into our topic for this episode, I want to make sure that you know about some other media that I do, all of it free, and in all of it, we use your contact information responsibly. I do every week a leadership email that's called Leading Thoughts. It's free to you. You can subscribe by going on the stephenmansfield.tv website on the homepage. You'll see a place to subscribe. It describes, it's a short article by me, only about 600 words, that describes describes a leadership tactic, a tactic of great leadership every week. It's helping people around the world. It's free to you. We will not sell or use your contact information for any illicit purposes, or frankly, we won't sell it at all (laughs) for illicit purposes or not. So you can trust us, but you want to be getting this. And also, in addition to this Great Man podcast, I also do a Stephen Mansfield podcast, which is world events viewed through the eyes of a historian, of a Christian, a guy who's slightly right of center politically. And so it's the Stephen Mansfield podcast, and you know how to look up a podcast and subscribe to it. Just want to make sure that you know about these other bits of media that I'm doing. Now, I want to talk to you about something that's particularly relevant that I'm recording this in the first week of June. You've got this summer ahead of you. You've probably got travels. If you have a family, uh, an immediate family, you've got kids, you've got a wife, uh, you've got perhaps more extended uh, relatives, your nieces, nephews, sisters, brothers, uh, in-laws, etc. In other words, you're going to be spending time with people. And I want to bring two or three different topics that I have discussed before together and give you a challenge for over the summer and frankly, for the rest of your life as a man. You know that I have taught you that men are supposed to be culture keepers. We're responsible for the culture that evolves in the realms that we are responsible for amongst our band of brothers in whatever we lead professionally, amongst certainly our family, um, with our friends. We are responsible for the culture that arises. If it's small and nasty and snippy and cutting and smack talk ridden and it's wounding and it, it emphasizes the lesser aspect of human nature, then you've got a toxic culture. But obviously, what we want is a noble culture, a fun ruddy culture, a fun culture. Yeah, a rowdy culture is fine, but one that ennobles, one that makes people better, one that bonds people to each other, one that makes men especially, but all people want to strive to accomplish more. And it doesn't have to be preachy. It doesn't have to be weird. You know, you're sitting down over some Mexican food and somebody's preaching a motivational talk or something. No, it's not like that. Uh, it's just a culture. It's just what, remember that a culture is what you encourage to grow. So it's a simple question. What are you encouraging to grow with your friends, with your wife, with your kids, with your band of brothers, with those that you uh, work with professionally, whatever, those on your team, got a lot of athletes that listen to this. What are you encouraging to grow? That's what a culture is. And a good man needs to be encouraging a culture that people feed on, that people are ennobled by, that people are strengthened by, that people are inspired by, and yeah, where they have fun and they can rest and they can be themselves, etc. The simple way for me to illustrate this is to say that you, all of you have been, all of us have been in the presence of someone we felt better for the experience. 
We felt better. We felt ennobled. We felt inspired just by being in their presence if they never even said something directly to us. And the reason was, yeah, maybe their history, maybe what they represented, maybe they had accomplished something great. I, I, I've been in the presence of a lot of war heroes, and I'll tell you what, they don't have to say a thing to me. I feed on their spirit just standing nearby. But but it's also because what they encourage to grow, what they say to people in your presence, uh, the way they treat people with respect and honor and encouragement. Uh, I've watched a Congressional Medal of Honor awardee uh, talk to a 13-year-old who was wide-eyed, and he changed that 13-year-old's life in about 30 seconds just by telling him what greatness looked like and how he could see greatness on him, and he was expecting to hear good things from him, and I was proud of him. And I'm telling you what, that 13-year-old walked out ready to change the world. That's a matter of culture. Now, I've said all this before, but I want to review it because many of you have asked me, what's the primary way you shape a culture? What is the primary way you shape a culture? And I'm going to give you two uh, answers, and one I'm not even going to take time to explain because I've talked about it before. The first answer is words. Yes, deeds are important. Yes, actions are important. Obviously, you know I believe that. But words are the fast track towards creating a culture. Now, let me just leave that alone because I've talked about it before. But the most important form of words, and this is really my focus in this podcast today, is story. Stories are important. The art form of telling stories, rehearsing stories, what is captured in a story. Stories are absolutely vital, and I'm challenging every man under my influence to become good and consistent in storytelling. Now, by this, I don't mean you have to go win some Appalachian storytelling contest. I'm not trying to turn you into somebody on stage telling stories. I just want you to make it a habit. I just want you to realize that a lot of what you're meant to do as a man is to tell stories to those under your influence. Just while you're driving down the road, just in the sauna, just over a hamburger, just while you're walking to the movies, from the car to the movies, whatever. Uh, Just be a curator, a curator, some would say, of stories. And the reason for this is that the combination of brain science and our own cultural learning confirms that stories are the way that information is the most easily communicated and lives the longest. Okay? Brain scientists, you're welcome to do this research, uh, have literally confirmed that the st- a story is the form in which the brain most easily, using the fewest calories, absorbs information. It then lives longer, and by the way, it deposits the meaning of information more readily into the human brain, or I would say the human soul, okay? So here's what often happens. We're living in a world of contentious stories, right? You read Twitter, you watch the news, you listen to your favorite angry podcast, and you're loaded up with a bunch of stories. But I want to suggest they're often toxic stories. They're often angry stories. What that damn Biden did today, what that damn Trump did today, what, uh, you know, what happened in the Johnny Depp trial or what's going on with so-and-so and can you believe this idiot said such and such and or you were rehearsing things we have to rehearse in our age about children being shot and about nasty stuff happening and or we're looking up YouTubes where some fight breaks out amongst a bunch amongst a, uh, amongst a bunch of teenagers at a McDonald's. 
McDonald's in an inner city or some crazy thing like that. And now we've got a new story to tell. Watch this. Look at this. Let me tell you about this. Take a moment and consider what's in these stories. I'm not saying we should hide from the world. If a dark and troubling story has got to be told, it's got to be told. I do it almost professionally, you know, telling difficult stories and using them as examples of what's got to change and using a story as a way to communicate with a senator that this is what we got to work on or what have you. I do it all the time. So I'm not saying we hide from the darkness of this world. I want to confront it, which means we can't hide from it. But in what you repeat at the dinner table, with your friends, over a drink, over some coffee, uh, in your church, amongst your buddies, all the different groups that you might influence where you're responsible for building a culture, I want you to take a good look at the stories you're telling. If you're just griping about Joe Biden or griping about Trump or griping about the Republicans or griping about the Democrats or griping about those dang Muslims or griping about whatever you want to gripe about, you're depositing negative. And again, if that's what you have to do because of your job or what have you, of course, there's a way to do it redemptively. But, but still, I'm not saying we can't tell difficult stories. But what is it that you are telling most often? And what is that encouraging to grow in your life? I've been with some people who just in kind of an old Southern way, drive down the road and tell, would tell a few stories. And I would think about those stories for years. Now, some of them were just rip-roaring funny, and some of them were cute things that happened to the person. But often they would tell a story about somebody uh, being rescued or about a community coming together, or, or, hey, you know what? I was reading a book just the other day about old Abraham Lincoln. Let me tell you what he did once, or you know, whatever, that kind of thing. I don't mean to mock an accent, but I'm just saying it just couldn't have been more laid back. But you're changed by it. And what's happening in the car, or in the field, or on the porch, or wherever it is this conversation's happening, um, you feel a culture rising. You feel something noble happening. Because it's just as easy to say, let me tell you what an old boy did out in Nebraska. Uh, let me let me tell you let me tell you what a, what a what a group of people did. I'll, tell, tell, I'll give you an example. Just the other day, I happened to be going by on Twitter, and I saw a photograph of a bunch of older high school students standing around a kid who clearly looked younger than the rest of the kids. So I read the caption. Turns out the younger high school kid. Uh, was bullied by his age mates, his classmates. I don't know what what grade exactly he was in. He looked maybe eighth or ninth. Um, and when the older high school kids found out about it, they went. And by the way, the the classmates of this younger kid wouldn't sign his and his yearbook and didn't invite him to things. So a bunch of the older kids found out about it, adopted this kid. Um, signed his yearbook, invited him to some of their you know parties that were appropriate for him, took him places. Uh, some of the bigger jocks started walking the halls with him like, hey, he's one of us. And I mean, it changed everything right away. In the picture, there's kind of a cute senior girl and she's kind of budding up to the kid, not inappropriately, but she's kind of posing just a little bit as kind of on his arm kind of thing. I mean, you know, this kid's probably eighth grade. The senior was rather cute, pretty, uh, you know, 12 year, 12th grade. Uh, completely appropriate, I'm saying, but it was just, they were obviously saying, he's one of us. We got him. He's cute. He's sweet. He's part of our gang, so to speak. And I thought that was wonderful. Well, I've told that story 10 or 15 times. What's the culture that's arising there? Not so much high school stuff. I'm decades beyond high school, but more uh, people using their mojo, their position 
to make something work for somebody who is put down or belittled, or I, I don't know if this kid's with special needs or not, but something was going wrong in, amongst his age mates, and these older kids just came along and made it right. Well, t- retelling that story over and over again, yeah, puts a warm feeling in your heart, but it also says, this is the culture I want to surround myself. This is what I want to make happen. Um, this is This is what I love. It's another story like it that I've told before, and I'm just telling two to give you an example. Uh, There was a kid who was being bullied at a high school near D.C. Um, A bunch of us found out about it. Some of us who found out about it, you guys know that I helped... uh, chaplain and hang out with some folks who are part of the now the Washington commanders used to be the Redskins um, just because of the church I go to and some friends I have. It's not that I'm any big deal. Um, and so some of these big old ex linemen or current linemen found out this kid was being bullied because their kids went to the same school and they showed up one day at lunch, just showed up at the school one day at lunch and sat with this kid who was being bullied. And then one of the guys who was a little bit wealthier and had a family um, said, you know, let's say this kid was names was Sam. They said, hey, Sam's going to have a party at my house in a few weeks. Would you all like to come? I got a pool, going to put up some burgers. Well, so this guy sponsored at his home a party for Sam because Sam had been this uh, bullied kid and completely changed this kid's life. They just changed this kid's life just because they heard secondhand through their own kids that Sam was being bullied all the time for some reason. And so they went and sat with him and had lunch and then had a, one of the guys had a party at his house, nice house, of course, NFL player with a pool. And, and it changed everything, changed the culture. Well, that changed the culture, but me retelling the story, what, is it, what does it build? It inspires, it encourages, it tells you there's good in the world. It says, go and do likewise. It gives people ideas for what they can do. When I first heard that story, I thought, is there anybody around me, you know, hurting, impoverished, anything like that? Because I'm not, I mean, I'm involved with a university and do a lot of things, but I'm not around people who are in that kind of situation. How could I do that? I've, I've done some things and I'm still looking for them based on having heard that story from somebody else. So stories encourage and build a culture. What I want to challenge you to do over the summer is find good stories, bring to the surface good stories. What have you read? What have you heard? Don't just sitting around belly aching about the same stuff that we see in, on all the social media and watch on television. There's a lot to gripe about. There's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of failure. Our government in D.C. is not working real well right now. And I'm not talking about administrations, just in general, it's not working well. And we can gripe and we can complain. And it depends on where you are on the political spectrum. There's a lot to bellyache about. The point is, lay that aside in terms of what you are repeating. Don't be a mouthpiece for the negative of our culture. If you're going to be a good and a noble man, which is what this podcast is all about, Tell noble stories. I mean, if all you're doing is going to the beach with your kids or all you're doing is going out for the for a day to the pool or all you're doing is lifting weights with your band of brothers before you hop in the sauna or whatever, um, just tell stories. I'm not saying you need to command attention for 45 minutes straight. I'm saying just tell a story. Hey, did you guys hear about this? Hey, let me tell you what I saw the other day online. Hey, let me tell you what I read in this book about X, whatever. Noble stories, encouraging stories, inspiring stories, just just told casually, just told between sips. I want you to focus on the culture you're building by the stories you're telling. Let me say that again. I want you to focus in the next months on the culture you're building around you by the stories you're repeating. 
weed out the dark, negative, distressing, disillusioning stuff, tell the inspiring, encouraging, and yeah, funny stuff, and ennoble people's lives, especially in your home. I'll tell you, I've done a lot of biography in my life, a lot of having people's lives recounted to me by scholars, by those who knew them, etc. And one of the things that lives long, I mean decades later, are the stories that were told, are the way the person would walk in with a joke. Uncle Joe told the goofiest jokes right at the beginning. He'd always have a story, and it would always be funny, but it would always have a moral, and he'd tell it before we prayed over the meal or whatever. But it changed lives. People remembered it. People got moved by it. It was recounted at his funeral. And his sons and his daughters and his nieces and his nephews and his brother and his sister, they all lived differently for what they heard. So what are you repeating? What are you announcing? What are you embedding? What are you encouraging to grow? Build a noble culture around you by the stories that you tell, because this is one of the great arts of noble manhood. To join the Great Man Movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 